As we go through life, we sometimes find ourselves stuck. But with God's help, we can leave those mental ruts. This is the first message in the series, It's Time to Change Your Mind. The message is entitled, Unstuck from Your Rut. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, if you will, your teaching sheets. uh, They're going to be online there for you, if you will, as we start a brand new series of messages entitled, It is Time to Change Your Mind. Time to Change Your Mind. And I want to talk to you tonight about uh, being unstuck from the rut. Unstuck from the rut. We're going to take a look at really laying a foundation for about a six-part, maybe seven-part series. I'm still working my way through how we're going to divide each of the lessons, but I hope you'll stay with me through the entire series together because many times uh, these series really build on one another, and if you don't really understand some of the past series, uh, you're not as effective in understanding the ongoing parts of the series. So please stay with me. Invite a friend to be a part of this. If you miss any of these, they'll be online at church-redeemer.org. But I want to talk about getting unstuck from your rut. As soon as I use the word stuck, what do you think about? Have you ever been stuck in life? When you think about being stuck, you usually think of feelings like hopelessness and desperation and resignation. I just can't get out. If you think about an automobile that's stuck maybe in the snow or stuck in mud, you maybe have had that experience before that everything you do to try to get out, you just can't quite get the wheels to get that traction necessary to pull you out of that place. And so you spend a lot of energy but make very little progress. And all of us get stuck in life. We get stuck in problems sometimes, difficult problems that come our way, and we don't really know what to do. We get stuck in relationship situations that we don't know how to navigate real well. We get stuck in what I would call just the circumstances of life that seem to get us on a, on a trail of just not getting anywhere. And so we understand something about stuck. But I would say the most common kind of stuck that everybody experiences in life is to be stuck in the rut of destructive and painful and non-productive and problem-magnifying thinking. Has your thinking ever been stuck in a rut? Your mind's just stuck somewhere and you can't seem to get it out. You can't seem to get a problem solved. You can't seem to find the traction that you need just in your own thinking. And this series of messages really is designed to, to address what I'm going to call our mental health, our thinking, really, because it's so vital how we think. And the goal is to get us out of some of these ruts of our mind that hinder us in our progress, that keep us from being everything that God wants us to be, that will keep you from your personal joy and your personal fulfillment and ultimately from your fruitfulness for God. Your mind is a very important part of this, as we're going to see. Let me tell you from the get-go, there is no magic pill that I can give you at the end of the service. Say, take this pill and your mind will be healthy. I wish I had one of those pills, don't you? Everybody just take this pill and it's going to be fine, but I don't have a, a magic pill to give you, but I can tell you that with God's help and following God's process, you and I can become healthier in our thinking. Our souls can become far more whole than they are right now. And today what I want to do is start with a sort of a four-part foundational message, four things that I want you to learn with me tonight as we talk about changing your mind, what does this mean, and four things that you and I need to understand. 
The first principle that we'll look at together tonight, and I think it's vital for us to understand this, is that your mind makes ruts. Now, I'm not a brain expert. I'm not a a mental health expert. I'm a pastor. I'm a Bible teacher. And so I don't want to pass off the idea that I'm somehow an expert in this topic. But I do know a little bit about it, having worked over time with people. But the reason that I'm teaching on this topic is because the Bible has a lot to say about the topic of your mind. The Bible says a lot about it. Now, the Bible is not a textbook on neuroscience. The Bible is not a textbook on psychology. But I will tell you, it is the best psychological manual you'll ever read. Even though it's not a textbook on neuroscience, it is the best way to think that will make you healthy. It is a guidance for your life that actually creates wholeness for your life. And this is found through all the pages of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, 66 books of the Bible. You're going to find the principles that will make you a healthy thinker. Notice these verses, Proverbs 4, 23. Look at what it says. It says, be careful what you, be careful what you, did you know the Bible said that? Be careful what you think because your thoughts do what? run your life. Many of you perhaps did not even know that was in the Bible. Take a look with me at Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, believers, I'm reading from the Amplified Version, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's Word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, what is the next word there? Think. Think continually on these things. What things? The things that have just been described there. And throughout this series, we're going to talk about how we do this. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. The things which you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things in daily life. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you you. What is the Bible telling us? The Bible is telling us that a certain kind of thinking results in a experience of peace and well-being in your life. The Bible is so very clear. I'm going to tell you tonight that you cannot have a negative mind and a positive life. It's impossible to have a negative mind and a positive life. It's impossible to have a sinful mind and a holy life. It's impossible to have an unhealthy mind and a healthy life. They just don't go together. Let me say those again. I want to make sure everybody hears this. You can't have a negative mind and a positive life. You can't have a sinful mind and a holy life. And you can't have an unhealthy mind and a healthy life. They do not go together. So God places high priority on what goes on in our minds. Now, Let me help you to understand why this is vital to our being. I've talked about this before. I'll give it to you again. You are a three-part being. As a three-part being, we're we're, we're created in the image of God. God is is Trinitarian, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, created in the image of God. We have three parts as well that flow together, our spirit, our soul, and our body. 
You can't necessarily separate those out, but your spirit is that part of you that receives from God, communes with God at the deepest level. It's what's born again when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and so your soul is where you do your thinking, your mind part, and your body is the tent that you carry around with you. It's the physiological aspect of your life, and your brain is a part of your body. Now, there's a distinction between your brain and your mind. Everybody, hopefully, in the room has a brain. Sometimes we wonder about that, don't we, okay? But you have a brain, but not everybody's brain operates the same. Why? Because everybody's brain is programmed differently because of things that have happened in their life and things that they believe or don't believe. And so your mind is in your soul. That is, your mind is the operating system on the hardware of your brain. And so you have a brain, but your mind is what's running your life. So it's not your brain running your life. It's what's going on in your brain that is running your life. It is how you think that affects your life. Let me give you some brain facts for a moment. Are you ready for some brain facts? Just some, just some research that I did. And you might find this interesting. You might say, hey, it's no big deal. But I thought it was quite interesting. Your brain weighs about three pounds. So it's good to know that you can actually excuse some aspect of your weight to your brain. At least three pounds, okay? There's somewhere around 120 billion nerve cells in your brain. 120 billion nerve cells in your brain. By the way, an interesting thing related to the size of your brain is that when you become obese, the more obese you become, the smaller your brain becomes. It's actually a medical fact. So there's a, as your body goes up, your brain goes down, okay? I went on a diet this week, okay? <laughs> your brain can hold one cell, one brain cell can hold five times as much information as an entire encyclopedia set. One brain cell. Isn't that incredible? Isn't God amazing at what he's created? Every time a nerve cell fires between cells in your mind, the, 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 the traveling speed of those cells go at about 268 to, to 300 miles an hour. Okay. What's going on in your head? Right now, your brain, 30, your, 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 your three-pound brain, 60% of it is fat. That's why we call people fat heads sometimes, okay? 60% is a gelatinous fat material, and you're going to have somewhere between 50 and 70,000 thoughts every day. In your mind, your mind is always working in somewhere between 50 and 70,000 thoughts a day. And here's the incredible thing that psychologists and neuroscientists have found. 80% of the common person's 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day, 80% are negative. 80% are negative thoughts that you and I will have in our mind. Now, we could talk about how your nerve fires, and, and according to science, a thought process is when a, one, cell of your, your nerve, your, 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 one nerve cell of your brain fires with another nerve cell, and that's a thought that happens, and the repeated process of that over a period of time creates, literally creates ruts in your head, ruts in your brain. 
little pathways so that that's why when you learn something uh, and you when you first are learning it it's kind of hard to understand how to learn certain things but over a period of time you do it automatically like now driving a car you don't really think about driving a car because you, you did when you first learned but you've now formed those pathways in your mind and so they happen automatically and the same can be true of negative thoughts you don't necessarily if you've gotten in, gotten used to negative thinking it just happens you don't necessarily force it to happen. It just sort of rolls out into the pathways of the ruts of your mind, and it creates all kind of issues for you and for me. But here's the good news. Even scientists will tell you that your mind is elastic. We used to think that the mind, once it was what it was, it was never going to change. But what we've learned and what has been learned in science is that your mind is able to be reshaped. And that's exactly what God said in Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. Paul the Apostle said, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God do what? Anybody want to be transformed? We all do. Let God transform you into a new person by, notice this, isn't this interesting? By changing the way you think. Isn't that interesting? That God says, I'm going to change you, and the way I'm going to change you is I'm going to change you from the inside out, and the key part of this transformation has to do with changing the way you think. Now, just on a basic level, I think all of us would agree that if we're thinking 80% of our thoughts negative, we need some help. Would you agree with me? Because 80% of those thoughts being negative, many of them are even sinful in nature. And so we need to have our minds renewed. We need to change the way we think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Notice the value of the changed mind. So everybody has rutted thinking. You have little ruts in your brain right now that have been established over a period of time by reason of the way that you've chosen to think. And you, to change your life, you've got to change your thinking. And to change your thinking, here's the one thing you're going to need, as we see in Jesus' words in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. We're going to spend a lot of time on this over the next several weeks. To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is the key to a transformed thinking into a transformed life. But the first principle, as you're carrying around a bunch of ruts in your head right now, and they got started there by the way you were thinking, they got started there by maybe the family you grew up in, or the experiences you've had in life, or the way you've chosen to think about certain things in life, but you've got these pathways that are running, and many of them are negative, and many of them are sinful perhaps, and perhaps many of them are unhealthy for you, and you're wondering what's going on with my life, and what's going on with your life is your life's being run in a rut, 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 because of what's going on between your and my ears. Here's the second principle. What's in your mind does what? Impact your life. Simple principle. I've kind of already covered it, but I want to zero in on it for a few moments. For good or bad, for better or worse, we live most of our lives out of the mental ruts that we have formed or that we are currently forming. And this has a practical impact upon your life. Let me show you, and these are not on your notes, but I'll give them to you. How does, how do, how do, how does your thinking impact your life? Let me explain the impact. First of all, it affects your feelings. 
If you say to a child, we're going to Disney World, what does that child start doing? Oh, I mean, does their mood change, right? Okay. We're going to get ice cream. You put that thought in their mind. And so as soon as they have that thought in their mind, there's a joy that comes to them. So their feelings are affected by what they're thinking. If you say to them, I'm going to send you to your room and you have to be quiet for the next five hours, what, what's going to happen? They're gonna say, That's not a good thought for me, right? So the point being the same is true in your life. Every time you think something, it is firing chemicals inside of you that is having an impact upon your feelings. And you oftentimes want to change your feelings, as do I, but you cannot change your feelings without changing your mind. It's impossible because that's connected chemically even and biologically even to your thought process. It changes your responses or your reactions. Let me ask you this. If you think in your mind that somebody doesn't like you, how do you respond to them? You, you respond, you, if you, even if it's, you may not know it's true or not, but in your mind you've, you've been convinced somehow that somebody doesn't like you. When you see that person, you have, a, you have a reaction, not only a feeling, but you have a reaction to them, and it changes your behavior toward them. Your whole behavior is changed by reason of how you're thinking. Here's the third thing that it does. It changes your decisions. We all know that whatever you're thinking is going to determine how you decide certain things, and it changes your interactions with other people as well. Your interactions are affected by the thought processes of your life. Now, I'm going to give you an example of this in the life of David. These, these are all through the Bible, especially in the book of Psalms. You can see this, but I'm going to read you a passage of Scripture. There are 18 verses, so it's a long passage, but it's really a story that David is telling. I'm going to read it from the message paraphrase, so it's very interesting as it unfolds. But I want you to pay attention as I read this story from David. I want you to look past just the words and, and think about what he was thinking about when he wrote these words. Are you with me so far? Got it? So we're going to think about what David was thinking about when he wrote these words. And let's see what's going on in his brain and what it's doing to his emotions, and then see how he comes out of it. Here's the passage. It's in Psalm chapter 73, the first uh, 18 verses. No doubt about it. God is good, good to good people, good to the good-hearted. But I nearly missed it. Missed seeing his goodness. I was looking the other way. I was thinking about other things, we might say there. Looking up to the people at the top, envying the wicked who have, have it made, who have nothing to worry about, not a care in the world, whole, whole wide world. Pretentious with arrogance, they wear the latest fashions in violence, pampered and overfed, decked in silk bows of silliness. They jeer using words to kill. They bully their way with words. They're full of hot air, loud mouths, disturbing the peace. People actually they listen to them. Can you believe it? Are you seeing David's mind's going downhill right now, okay? He starts looking around and seeing all the ungodly people, and it seems like they're just having a really good time, and he, start, he, he starts off thinking, yeah, God, you're good, but I, my mind went over here, and I watched all these people, and I saw what was going on, and, and my mind turned in a different direction. Let's continue on here and see what's happening in David's mind. Like thirsty puppies, they lap up their words. What's going on here? Is God out to lunch? Nobody's tending the store. The wicked get by with everything. Ever thought like that before? 
They have it made, piling up riches. I've been stupid to play by the rules. What has gotten to me? A long run of bad luck. That's what a slap in the face every time I walk out there. This is negative thinking, right? You with me so far? This is in the Bible. Look at what's going on here. Like thirsty puppies. Did I just read that? Okay. Let's go to the next one. If I'd given in and talked like this, I would have betrayed your dear children. Still, when I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. Until, until, notice this. Everybody say until. This is a key part. This is a turning part in the whole process. You're going to see him change his mind right here. Are you still with me so far? You following me? Until I entered what? The sanctuary of God. Then I saw. Then I thought about, my mind changed. I saw the whole picture, the slippery road you've put them on with a final crash in a ditch of delusions. And then he says, in the blink of an eye, disaster, a blind curve in the dark and nightmare. We wake up and rub our eyes, nothing, there was nothing to them and there never was. Are you seeing what happened to David? You following the track here? He starts out, God is good, but then if God is good, what's going on with all these wicked people? It seems like they're getting away with everything, and it looks like God's asleep and not paying any attention. And then he says, I went into the sanctuary of God, and my perspective changed, my mind changed, and when my mind changed, everything changed. What I want you to see is the impact of your thinking on your life. What's in your mind impacts your life. Here's our third point together. Your biggest spiritual battles are fought on the battleground of your mind. I'm laying the foundation for us for this next, uh, the, the next several weeks. Remember I told you a while ago that we have three dimensions to our life, right? What are they again? Spirit, soul, and body. What happens is we oftentimes, this brain in our body gets programmed the wrong way in our thinking, our mind, and it affects the spiritual aspect of our life. And I will tell you that there's, there is a spiritual aspect of this, and the spiritual aspect, let me ask you just a basic question here, because I'm just laying this out for you. Who do you think in the spiritual realm would like to mess up your mind more than anyone else? Who? Come on, th- help me out here. Well, this is, just forget we're in, it's not a fancy church. We're just, we're, we're teaching here tonight, okay? This is all we're doing, okay? My, my goal is not to try to give you a fancy message. I'm trying to teach you here. Who do you think wants to get into this part of your life to mess up this part of your life? There's no question about it that Satan wants to get, up, get into this game. You understand? If what you think impacts your life, and if what you think runs your life, who wants to get in on that game to affect your life? There's no question about it. There's a real spiritual enemy that wants to be a part of this process in your life. Look at Ephesians 6, verse 12. Paul makes it clear, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil, where in the heavenly realms, in the atmosphere around us. So we've got a spiritual enemy. Now, what does this enemy want to do? Jesus made it clear. 
The thief, that's the devil, the enemy of our souls, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and may have life and have it to the full. So his, his goal is to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. And the best way he can do that, the beginning way that he always does that is through your mind. That's the battlefield. If he can get in your mind and in your thinking, he's going to steal from you God's plan. He's going to kill God's purpose in your life. He's going to bring some level of destruction. You and I have to be aware of this. We're in a war, folks. And the war is not out there somewhere. The war is right here for all of us. This is where the war is. I fight it. You fight it. We all fight it. We've got ruts already running there that the devil plays on. And he also inserts new, tries to create new ruts in our thinking. Let's go to this next one. You notice what it says here in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil. Who's your enemy? Please listen. There is a real devil. Okay. Your enemy, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to do, remind us of what the scripture says. So you'll be what? Alert and of sober mind. Not afraid but of alert, alert, and sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around looking like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Actually, the Greek word that's used there means to, to drown, to just overwhelm in some way. Now, this is the primary weapon that Satan uses in our lives is to get into our minds through lies through thoughts of destruction, through fear, through condemnation, through accusation of our own inner being, through defeat and arrogance and pride and a variety of other kind of temptations that come our way. He wants to get into your head. If he can insert his way of thinking into your head and create in you a lie that you're believing, then he has access to you, okay? He has access to controlling some dimension of your life. This goes all the way back to the very beginning of time. Again, laying the foundation tonight. Look at the very first book of the Bible and what happened here. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent, who was the serpent? The devil. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, what did he say to the woman? Did... God really say? What is he introducing? Doubt. What is he introducing? Some questioning of what God said was true. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So he's, he's sort of suggesting that God's the liar, that God really didn't say something that he said. He's trying to get into Eve's head. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Now notice this. He now says, believe me instead of believing him. You don't need to believe him. Believe what I'm telling you. In other words, I'm casting doubt on the truth of God's word so you'll believe my word because I want to bring you my way. I want to steal and kill and destroy your life. And ultimately, Adam and Eve went that direction and they, they lost their, their access to the Garden of Eden. Why? Because the serpent wiggled his way in to the mind and the thinking of Adam and Eve. This is why you're Mind is so very important. Jesus described how we deal with this in John chapter 8 again. Describes this enemy. You belong. He was talking to the Pharisees because they had messed up thinking too. 
I could go into that whole story. The Pharisees were really messed up in their thinking. Here's the Messiah who they've been hoping to come, and the Pharisees and now didn't even get it. They were basing their whole experience with Jesus on lies. But he says to the Pharisees, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is, help me out, church, there is. There is no truth in him. When he lies, what does he do? He speaks his native language. How do you know the devil is lying? His lips are moving. Okay? <laughs> For he is a liar, and he's also what? The father of lies. Now, are we tracking together so far? This is a very important series. Your mind has ruts in it. They've been formed over time, and oftentimes the enemy has already built his little pathways inside of your thinking, and he's got some control over certain parts of your life to make you miserable and make you frustrated with people and make you all kinds of things we don't have time to go into tonight, but it's all based in the fact that there have been lies that have been built up in your thinking, and that's affecting how you're living. Now, let's go to the last part, because this is the good news that we're going to look at over the next several weeks together. Here's the key. Read it with me. Your that was pitiful. Once again, your mind, I want you to say that as loudly as you can. Your mind can change. Come on, say it with me. Your mind can be changed. What can it be? Changed. This is vital. Your mind can be changed. Changed thinking is not beyond the reach of possibility. I'm going to show you this in Scripture. Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is dead. Anything that's coming from the flesh, a fleshly way of thinking, a carnal, worldly way of thinking, a way of thinking that is based in resistance to God or lies against God or lies to destroy your life, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the, by the Spirit is what? Now, let me just, let's just stop for a moment and ask, which do you prefer? Now, notice, notice the key. What is it? The, the, which do you prefer? The mind governed by the flesh or the mind governed by the spirit? Now, what does govern mean? In control. Here's the key, okay? Let me go back to this again. Again, we're not, I'm not worried about preaching a fancy sermon tonight. I'm willing to worry about helping you, okay? We got body, soul, and spirit, right? The mind controlled by the flesh, so the devil attacks your thinking, your brain. He wants to put thoughts in there that gets you believing them in your soul and then afflicting your spirit, Right? There are times that the devil will sell you, God can't be trusted. God's not going to answer your prayer. All these lies that come in, it affects your spiritual life, right? Okay. Now, God says here, Scripture says, let's see if I can erase this. Nope. I'll try it again. Okay. Instead of being governed from the outside in, God wants us to be governed from the inside out. 
to get God's truth in your spirit and your spirit informs your soul of what's true and your soul then now is running the right software in your brain, okay, so that your brain is running the right, so- I mean, no bad software, no matter, no matter what, whatever the hardware is, the software is what matters, right, okay? And so if we, the mind governed by the spirit, that is when you get into God's word and you read the promises of God's word, just like when we worship, did you sense a moment ago as we were worshiping, your spirit was being in, in, fed, something was happening, you couldn't explain it, but down on the inside of your inside of your inside of your inside, down deep down in your spirit, there was something that God was doing inside of you. Every time you read, pick up this Bible, you begin to read scripture, something's happening down in your spirit, you're learning truth, something's occurring, you may not be able to understand understand it fully in your mind, but something's happening in your spirit, and you get this inside of you, and it begins to inform your soul, and then your soul begins to tell your brain what to do, okay? okay? Instead of your brain being invaded from the outside in, God wants to fill you from the inside out. I got to continue here. We... Again, Colossians 3, 2, what does it say? Set your minds on things above. Now, I want you to get this. This is a series. We'll talk about how to do this over time. But if you talk about setting something, that's something you do, okay? It's not something that somebody else does for you. So you and I have to learn how to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. So it's a choice that we make in terms of the direction of our thinking. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to see here tonight that in your mind, my mind, all of our minds, because of the experiences we've had in life, the circumstances we've walked through, the way we've processed certain things, the way we've chosen to think over a period of time, what has occurred is that the devil gets a stronghold in a certain part of your life. He's convinced you that something is true when it's not true. He sold you and I lies. Did God really say, is this really true? And so he gets strongholds. What is a stronghold? It's where the devil has a stronghold on you. And that happens in your mind. And so we have to learn to demolish those strongholds. And you do so by truth, by taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, what do we learn tonight? This is just laying the foundation. Number one, your mind makes what? You got little ruts running around in your mind right now. Everybody does. Little ruts. They've been formed. Some may be healthy. Many of them are not healthy. 80% of the fifty to 70,000 thoughts you have a day are negative. Think about that with me for a moment. Whatever is in your mind is impacting your, your life. It's going to affect how you, it's every, your decisions, your interactions, your feelings, all those kind of things. Your biggest spiritual battle is fought Where? Not with your husband, not with your wife, not with your kids, not with your boss, not with your fellow workers, not with your neighborhood, not with the politicians, okay? Your biggest spiritual battle is fought where? In your, in your mind. That's the battleground. 
That's the battleground, and the good news is your mind can be changed. I want to encourage you to read this together with me right now. Are you ready? Read it aloud and loudly. Here we go. I am ready and willing to improve my thinking. I understand that better mental health is a key part of a better life and a key part of my spiritual growth. I think we ought to read it one more time. Are you ready? I am ready and willing to improve my thinking. I understand that better mental health is a key part of a better life and a key part of my spiritual growth. I want you to memorize that. Think about it over the next several weeks as we talk about this very important principle. Principle. It is time to change your mind. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word tonight. We're grateful that you speak to us about so many practical things. Lord, you've taught us in your word that our minds are important, how we think is so important. Lord, we know that many times we've, we've let so many ruts get started in our minds that are just not healthy, not good, not holy, not, not everything you want us to be. And so, Lord, tonight we ask that beginning this, this weekend and in the days to come that you would help us to demolish strongholds in the name of Jesus, strongholds in our thinking, to take captive every thought, to set our minds on things above, And Father, we pray that this will be a beginning journey to freedom. Lord, your word says that you give us the truth. You show us the truth that sets us free. So God, we ask that this will be a great, exciting, wonderful, adventurous time with you where freedom will come to our lives in new and fresh ways. For that, we thank you in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.